welcome to Reinventing Home. I'm your host, Valerie Andrews, and today we're going to be talking with Dr. Warren Farrell, author of The Boy Crisis, about the presence of fathers in the home and the positive effect they have on boys' lives. Warren started out as a feminist and was the only male board member of the National Organization of Women. He supported women's issues and even held a male beauty pageant on the Merv Griffin Show. Later, he became an internationally known advocate for boys and fatherhood, calling our attention to the ways we need to improve men's lives. Warren is the author of Why Men Are the Way They Are, The Myth of Male Power, and most recently, The Boy Crisis, where he shows what kind of support boys need at home to thrive and grow up to be healthy, well-rounded adults. Today, we're going to be talking about the role fathers play and how their special parenting skills are essential if we want to build strong communities and strong society. Warren, thanks for being here. I'm really looking forward to it, Valerie. In your book, The Boy Crisis, you note that boys often consider themselves worthless. Why aren't they as good as girls at handling stress? Boys are as good as girls at handling stress in emergencies. You know, if the house comes on fire, boys handle stress well. But in terms of emotional issues, they go into greater depression, greater alienation from people and they don't have as well-developed emotional skills as girls do. You mentioned that boys suffer more from learning disabilities in school and college at roughly twice the rate of girls. Can you speak to that? Yes. In areas like ADHD, boys suffer, depending on the studies you look at it, about twice to four times as much as, as girls do. And to a large degree, that's because school is focused more on listening to teachers, whereas boys uh, learn a lot more from doing. When I did my own teaching in college and high school, I always got the students involved in physically acting things out, playing roles, and when they could get up and debate, when they could go out and do projects, that's the way boys tend to learn best. Well, I'm wondering if this particular year with homeschooling and remote learning due to the pandemic, if boys are going to have a harder time of it? It depends on how the home learning is done. So, for example, if a boy and girl are both learning by Zoom, girls will more frequently have the self-discipline and sit and take notes. However, the Zoom also allows the option for the boy shutting off a pre-recorded lesson and then doing something like taking the equivalent of a recess break, playing with his friends and being physical. And if he learns to honor himself by taking those breaks, Zoom can actually be a benefit over the strict confinement of a classroom. Well, this is really important for parents then to make sure that their sons get away from the screen at some point and actually go and do something physical and then come back to it. A very good thing for parents is to do roughhousing with the kids or to chase them around the house or to play ball with them outside. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, now have come up with findings showing that those types of breaks will allow boys to do better on a given exam than that same amount of time spent studying. That's really important information for parents to have. One of the other things that we're learning is that fathers are enjoying staying home and having more time with their families, that they seem to be longing for more time with their children. Is this something you found in your research as well? Absolutely. Uh, The more time dads spend with children, 
the more two things happen. One is they find that dad's time is valued as much as dad's dime. And most men felt that the way that we loved our family was to be away selling product X to make the money to get a good home and a good neighborhood. We worked and tried to increase our promotions and status, but in the process, we missed enormously what we really loved, our family. Have you heard some stories that you can share with us about men enjoying their new parenting role during COVID? Yes, I was just talking with a father and his son. He's about ready to go to college. The father has saved a lot of money over the years in a 529, and the son didn't realize that that money had been saved for him and sent him a very sharp email. The father called me and said, you know, I I tend to sort of become very defensive. Can you walk me through what I do to listen to somebody? And he did that, but he was spending far more time with his son than he had before. And as a result of that, they came through that with a deeper and more loving understanding uh, than they had had previously. We often hear young men say, I never really knew my dad. Yes. I'll give you an example of my own dad. My father came out and visited me when I first moved to California. And for the first three days, he talked only about himself. And so I said, Dad, why are you asking me questions about me? There was a long pause. And he said, because I want to keep our relationship positive. And I said, Dad, it's not a positive relationship if you can't talk about me as well as me talk about you. And he said, do you really want me to be honest? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, I think the work you're doing in psychology is ruining the lives of millions of people. I said, wow, thank you for thinking I affect millions of people, but why the ruining (laughs) my use of a joke to alleviate the tension? And so he said, because psychology is teaching people, and particularly men, to do what they want to do. Becoming a real man is not doing what you want to do, Warren. It's doing what you have to do. It's not talking about rights. It's talking about responsibilities and obligations. He was really angry at me for wanting to write. And he said, there are only about one in a hundred authors find a publisher. And if you can't find a publisher, you won't find a wife. And, you know, then I later read that, you know, Zelda Fitzgerald has said, said exactly that to F. Scott Fitzgerald, that I can't marry you until I find a publisher. My father, he was born in 1910, and, in, and by 1945, he'd been through two world wars and a depression. From his perspective, he just focused on doing what he needed to do. And I said to him, Dad, the result of your generation sacrificing so much is that you've helped us survive. And as a result of being able to survive more easily, we're free to do more of what we want to do, that shift that you've helped create for us. And then he was able to see that he had fulfilled his obligation, but also done something deeper than he had realized. That's a deep and beautiful story. Can you talk a little bit about the damage that dad-deprived boys do in our society? Yes. In the briefest answer is that Dad-deprived boys hurt. They hurt in more than 50 different developmental areas. 
such as being more likely to be addicted to drugs, be addicted to video games, be addicted to opioids, to have death by opioids. They're, they're more likely to be depressed, more likely to withdraw into video games, more likely to have that depression morph into suicide. Uh, they're more likely to have their life expectancy shortened. The telomeres are shorter, significantly shorter, 14% on the average, when they don't have a significant amount of father involvement by the age of nine and a half. These boys don't learn the discipline of being able to do things to succeed, and they become very angry. And so we now have, since the 21st century began, 10 school shooters that have killed 10 or more people. Every single one of those is our dad-deprived boys. ISIS recruits are often boys that feel no sense of purpose through the father, and 93% of your prison population is male, but of that 93%, about 85% to 90% are dad-deprived males. Those are extraordinary statistics. Did we see the same thing in World War II with the Hitler youth? Were there a lot of dad-deprived boys who were drawn to totalitarianism? Absolutely. So just like ISIS today, Hitler Youth found it much easier to recruit from the dad-deprived population. So if we don't want a totalitarian movement in this country, we're going to have to really focus on our parenting skills. Yes, and here is the ironic <laughs> nature of it. The political left is very much concerned that there is you know, the possibility of a type of totalitarianism, but does not focus on dad deprivation as an issue. The political right tends to focus more on the importance of dad and the importance of family. Warren, this is surely a bipartisan issue and one we have to come together on. We know how Europe suffered after World War I without the father and how that set us up for World War II with dad-deprived boys. But today, we lose a lot of fathers to divorce, and that brings me to my next question. Why is single parenting so hard for everyone? When I dated between marriages, mostly single mothers, the word that I heard most frequently was, I feel overwhelmed. I feel depressed that I can't do my job as well as I'd like and I can't raise my children the well, as well as i like. It is totally unfair to women to not have the help of a, of a dad as well. What I hear most frequently from dads is I feel alone, unneeded, and I just want to be with my children and I know they want to be with me. How can divorced dads be sure they have an influence on their sons growing up? If you want to do the best for your children, there's four what I call must-dos. One is that the children have about an equal amount of time with mom and dad. Number two is that the dad and mom do not live more than about 20 minutes drive time from each other. Number three, that the children aren't able to detect any bad-mouthing or negative body language about the absent parent. Bad-mouthing is one of the worst forms of child abuse. And the fourth must-do is something that has only been discovered recently, which is that the parents need to be having a significant amount of couples communication counseling or relationship counseling, not just when emergencies come up. Well, what you're saying is that parents really have to show boys that they are loved and capable of loving, and you can't do this without a role model. Even if the marriage has reached its limits, there still needs to be this humane connection that is part of the family life education. Absolutely. 
the role modeling of good communication skills is helpful for the children to sort of know how to resolve an argument, never battering each other or withdrawing and not speaking to each other for days. You said that one of the best ways to get to know a boy is to ask a question. I'd like to know what advice you have for parents to draw out their boys. For a boy, drawing out starts with hanging out. So, for example, if you pick up a you know, boy from soccer practice and, and say, how was your game today? Chances are the boy will say, oh, it was okay. But if you're hanging out with that boy later on that evening and doing your work next to him where he's doing his homework, he's much more likely then to say something like, yeah, Dad, what do you think it means if you did a good job being a goalie and, you know, but the next week the coach doesn't let you be the goalie again? The good dad will not give an answer to that. The good dad will provide space for that child to elaborate on what happened. If the dad doesn't answer right away with a solution, the boy is more likely to say, you know, this happened a few weeks ago too. And so you begin by allowing space in the framework of hangout time for a boy to begin to open up you don't interrupt him and don't solve his problems for him, but give him a place to just be safe. When you solve the problem too quickly, you basically are telling the boy, you can figure out an answer of your own, but I can figure out an answer in about 30 seconds. And the other thing boys benefit from, and girls do too, is family dinner nights that are constructed to not become family dinner nightmares. How can you have a constructive family dinner night? First, by making sure that there's no electronics at the table. Second, is to make sure that everybody has a defined period of time to, to share what happened during the week or that day or what their opinions are on a given topic. The more controversial topic, the better it is. The next is to make sure that they're not interrupted while they're talking and then after that, the family spends time saying, what we heard was this, is that accurate? And the person who's talking has a chance to clear up any distortions. So this is going to take a while. And so you go around the family table and do that not only for the children, but also for the adults, requiring the children to listen to the parents as well. And so what you're creating there is what in Latin we call e pluribus unum. That is one from many. You're showing there's one family here that will always support your uniqueness as individuals. Are we moving towards a generation of hopefully more expressive and more empowered young men? Yes, we are. That's the good news, and that can become the bad news if self-expression becomes everything. Most people who want to express themselves want jobs, like being an artist, a writer, an actor, but we use the word starving artist, and most actors are called waiters. Until there is the ability to discipline one's self, you cannot enter the fulfilling professions. Parents that allow their children to be expressive oftentimes don't create that discipline. And parents that create the discipline are oftentimes minimally encouraging of expressiveness. Is there any coming-of-age literature or any film that you've seen recently that will help boys and fathers to start this dialogue? In the Boy Crisis book, I list some 50 different films. One that I just saw recently was East of Eden, about you know a boy whose brother 
was valued very much by the, by the dad. It's very common in families that if one child does really well, the other one gets his attention by rebelling. Are there any films that help us to understand how fathers are struggling right now? There is a movie that's called Father, Soldier, Son that is quite good. The New York Times devoted a whole section to it, and it just came out in 2020. The father loved being with the children, and so that was a wonderful part of the movie. But then he was shot and lost his leg and made a type of sacrifice that really impacted his ability to be close to his children. Is there any last advice you'd like to give to dads who are now spending more time at home in the presence of the children? Yes. First of all, understand what you contribute as a dad. Know that the best way you raise your children is doing some of the things that are natural to you. Take them out camping. Let them explore. Know the data behind the value of doing things like the roughhousing or letting your children climb trees or explore nature. Roughhousing is, let's say, dad, say, throws the, the three kids on the couch and says, okay, the job here is that you guys uh, have to pin me down before I pin the three of you down together. Sooner or later, somebody's going to end up getting hurt. Krista starts crying and says, you know, uh, Jimmy stuck his elbow in my, in my eye. And dad says, sorry, that was too rough. We're going to stop the roughhousing for tonight. Now the dad is taught empathy. The children are learning the difference between being assertive versus aggressive, and they're also learning postponed gratification that they can't just do what they want when they want to do it. Dads don't explain this process to moms, and they don't even know what they're doing. They just do it. And how can men model meaning and purpose as opposed to just productivity? I used to work a lot with uh, Tony Robbins, and we would take children out on every Thanksgiving to to feed the homeless. And it was like the children's eyes just popped. Like, my goodness, we're so focused on ourselves. You know, how is it that we, we didn't even see right here in San Diego, which is where we lived at the time, they begin to be, start tuning into people that they can be helpful toward. That's a beautiful description of the way fathers pass on the skills of, of, of caregiving and stewardship to the next generation, Warren. I want to thank you for this conversation today and urge our listeners to read The Boy Crisis for a wealth of information about why boys are suffering and how we can make sure that they live richer and fuller lives and become strong members of society. Well, thank you. It's uh, wonderful to experience your thoughtful questions and your caring, loving way of listening. 